Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Made for More podcast. Today we are talking about some heavy stuff. No, not really heavy stuff. We're talking about heavy industry. I'm joined by, rather not joined with, joined by Rob Karowski, who has spent almost 10 years as a reliability engineer and asset manager within mining, oil pipelines and consulting in heavy industry. Over that time, he has seen and experienced disengagement frustration and mental health problems due to fear-based leadership. Since learning about people-centric leadership, Rob has been on a mission to spread the message throughout the world and Rob envisions a world where happiness and engagement are commonplace in the workplace. And I'm sure you can imagine by his bio that we have a lot of similarities when it comes to mental health and uh, spreading joy in the workplace. But what we talk about today specifically is around breaking down that stigma of, you know, talking about mental health, talking about feelings in heavy industry or predominantly areas where, you know, feelings get a little bit less attention than what they probably should and could in the future. So I think that you will enjoy today's episode. It's pretty good talking about these kinds of things. And uh, if you would like to know more about Rob and find out about more about his business and what he does, be sure to check out today's show notes, which you can find in, in the notes today. And also, of course, if you love today's episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts because it helps other people find the Made For More podcast and they can listen in and enjoy it just as much as you. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Made For More podcast. I'll be sharing my experiences along with some actionable advice to take your leadership to the next level. Introducing your host, it's me, Ali Nitschke. I'm a leadership and courageous conversations expert, a Nutella lover, a mother of four young boys, a wife and a dance floor junkie. I'm here to give you the motivation you need to level up, lead yourself, lead your team and your business. Let's go. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Made More podcast. I am joined from across the way by Rob. Hello, Rob. How are you? Good, Allie. It's funny, right? Like I'm probably maybe up in Edmonton, about as far away from you as we can possibly get. I know. We are opposites, opposite sides of the world. And yet, thank you, Zoom, for bringing us together. And thank you, the internet, for connecting us in the first place. So, Rob, tell me a little bit about where you've come from and where you're going. Yeah, th- I mean, first off, Ali, thanks for thanks for having me on the show. And oh. yeah, I mean, where where I'm come from. So, it's a long journey, I guess. But I'm an MIT graduate, mechanical engineering with a minor in management, and I've worked probably now about ten years in heavy industry in mining as a consultant, just doing work across manufacturing, mining, power plants, basically the whole whack chemical industry, the whole whack of, of stuff in North America, mm-hmm. and like, and then I guess now for the last about two years, I'm working in, in pipelines. And mm-hmm. I mean, what, what we're here to talk about is leadership. And throughout my career, really, what I've seen is a very much fixed mindset leadership. The we've always done it this way. We're going to manage with metrics. We're going to lean into basically fear-based leadership. And for me, it, it led to a bunch of mental health struggles with depression, anxiety, but it also, I think it's just not getting us the results that we can get in, in, doesn't matter what industry, right? It's like we're 70% of the world is disengaged and 
it's a huge issue. And for mm-hmm. me, a lot of that stems from a, like basically the lack of leadership in, in our companies. Yeah, amazing. And I think what's really interesting is you've just said, I mean, you work in heavy industry to look at you, you, you know, you've got to shake heads, you look pretty tough. But when I know when we've talked previously, you know, you've very much lent into that empathy and how we really need to connect as leaders. So working, I mean, I have never worked in the mines. I, I imagine it's a pretty, it's a hard slog. I know that there's a lot of shift work that happens. I know there's certainly here in Australia, there's FIFO that happens. People are away from their families. So when you mentioned around, you know, fixed mindset leadership around, we've always done it this way, and that fear-based leadership, do you, are you starting to see a bit of a shift now or do you think it's still that way and there's a lot of work to do? Depends where you go. I, I think there is a little bit of a shift. I'm starting to hear it from the boots on the ground, but, but it's also like it's a long way to go. And, and I think it's something that you'll, you'll know as working mm-hmm. in, this, in this space is we're raised and basically our beliefs are in place by the time we're seven years old. And so mm-hmm. we need to like, for, in order for a whole industry to shift, it's really got to be like, we got to change the conversation today. And then really our kids are the ones that are going to really be the ones that believe that empathy and people centric leadership is the way to go. So I, I think like we're doing our best to, to move the needle, but really it's going to be the next generation. That's really going to be, raised to believe this Mm. yeah I you know that old um saying be the change you want to see and it's so true and I think the conversations that we do have now especially with our children because they are so malleable is going to have huge and lasting effects if we can you know have the right conversations for the right reasons so tell me a little bit around what you're doing now when we first caught up we you were talking about a new project that you're launching tell me a little bit around you know what that is how it's going and who it's helping yeah, so I have, I mean, I have two podcasts that are going right now. One is the Leadership Launchpad Project, where it's really just about people-centric leadership, about the growth mindset, about really these types of leadership that we believe should be out in the world, both, you know, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, whether, you know, we've had a bunch of people from digital marketing on, you know, these, these tech companies, and because they're kind of leading the way. And so it doesn't really matter. Like people are people regardless of what industry you're in. And then the other one I have is dismantling the high performance narrative. And that one is very much about mental health and performance. And Mm. this, this aspect of needing everything to be perfect on the outside when we actually really struggle on the inside. Mm. And I think like everyone goes through mental health challenges. I mean, the statistics say like 50% of people do in their lifetime. That's probably underreported just in terms of vulnerability and, and yeah. safety in terms of reporting. But everyone hits roads, whether that's, you know, someone in your family dies, your pet dies, you, you just have some, like you have a breakup with a partner, these types of things. And they result in, you know, sadness and grief and anxiety and these types of things are normal. And that, that's really where we're trying to normalize that conversation is everybody goes through stuff and it's mm-hmm. okay. And regardless if you're still going to work every day or not, it's, you know, it's part of the game. Like you're, you're still a human and you're still like showing up. Yeah. I love that. So when we're talking about, you know, people-centric leadership, which is your leadership launchpad side of it, as well as the high performance, tell me a little bit around what you've what you've found or what you've learned. And, you know, even from the clients that you've worked with so far, 
with your high performance narrative, so people that are going through a tough time, whether it's mental health, whether it is, you know, something happening at home, how does people-centric leadership or how do leaders that want to lead with that people-centered, like people-centered, how does that help improve either get people through this journey back to high performance or even, you know, open up that conversation in the first place? Absolutely, yeah. And so we've run the Leadership Launchpad program in the fall and we had four people in the group and we'll be launching another one in the spring and then in the fall this year but one of the biggest things that i saw one of the guys in the group worked at it's a beef plant out of calgary and yeah it's very similar fixed mindset and he was he was really struggling to be honest like his team was all checked out and they're Mm. these guys that have been working there 20 30 years the same mentality. And just like, they felt like they couldn't move the needle on anything. And so they gave up, they checked out completely disengaged. And we, we sort of got him to shift the focus from them about, you know, making these massive changes that require, you know, millions of dollars and, and expecting management at the top levels to really buy into these huge initiatives when they're not actually like proving that they even can think in this way. And he was able to get his team back and like, they've done massive like gains in engagement and they're bringing problems to him with solutions that are like low cost solutions. And they're able to really work harder and get things done without like, you know, requiring all these things. And and that's the thing I think is, is huge. And that's where I find for me, at least in my experience, leadership and mental health are very much tied together. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if you have good leaders that lean into empathy and vulnerability and you can show up as yourself and you can speak your truth, you're very much more likely to feel happier when you're at work. And then you take that happiness home and that's yeah. right. And that's, you take that happiness home and you take it to your kids and your wife and your husband and your community. And that's where really the ripple effect of leadership plays out. And, and that's where I, you know, that's why I kind of sit in that realm, right. Is, is I had the opposite and it led to a bunch of stuff that, you know, is, is I'm still working through. Yeah. I, I uh, absolutely love what you said there. And that's part of, you know, the work that I do with clients around leadership and courageous conversations is because I'm like, you know what, we don't want to be taking all of that junk home to our families, to our kids, you know, have, it's really, it's not too difficult to have a good time at work and it's life is definitely too short to be having a terrible time. But you said something absolute gold there and I wanted to go back over that was around the leader that you had from the beef, beef plant. He got his team back as in, you know, got them back to from being disengaged to now being engaged. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think what I find sometimes is we kind of go, it gets very hard and uh, we definitely throw the towel in and go, you know what, I'm just going to give up and this is, this is now my new normal, whether you like it or not. So talk a little bit around how or what it is that changed for him to get his team back. I mean, the first thing that changed for him was his view on himself. Mm. And I think the biggest thing there, and we'll talk about it later, but he started seeing like he was, when he walked in the door, he was seeing that when he asked for funding and he was denied by his management, that that was a failure. Mm. And he was, he was taking on a lot of responsibility for the like plant manager and the GM's nonsense, basically. Mm-hmm. And he was saying like, I let my team down because I asked for 2000 for a training course and they denied me. 
Mm. And he, he was saying like, that makes me a bad leader, which mm. you only have control over your own budget. You have control over, you know, how you show up, what you do every day, the people you talk to, the people you influence, like these are things that you have control over. You do not have control about what they do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was the first big shift is he started seeing himself as being a leader that's successful in what he gets done, like things mm-hmm. that he gets done. Mm-hmm. And then he took that out to the shop floor and basically started empowering his guys and getting them to give him real-time feedback. What can he help them with? And then actually executing things that were easy to execute and that didn't require a budget. And they were just like process changes and, you know, equipment fixes and stuff like that, where you can actually just go out and do it. Mm-hmm. And that was really easy for him to execute, but it just had to come from this place where he had to build the trust back because, you know, they didn't trust management anymore. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's all this human stuff that, that we sometimes as engineers, you know, we make fun of, or we toss under the rug and we call them soft skills, but really like, that's where, that's where the rubber hits the road is yeah. if you're just managing people as a number they're going to give you basically what you get, where if you see them as people, they're going to give you so much more. Yeah, I love that. So it's interesting how you said that he could just make all of these micro changes. And I think that that is, you know, one of those easy levers that we can pull in this leadership space is there are a lot of little tiny things that you can do to build that base level of foundation uh, for trust, then go to that next stage as well. And I love so much that you said around, you know, engineers, you call them soft skills. And I think I think we're in this era now where it's the rise of the soft skills and people are like, yes, bring on the soft skills. I know I certainly am. And tell me a little bit around your own journey. Uh, you've led teams, you've been an engineer, you've worked with a lot of really technically clever people. Tell me how you've, you know, uh, I guess, broken, broken that status quo around soft skills and introducing that into your own team. yeah i mean that one that's been a journey right and probably if you would have met me two years ago we wouldn't be having this conversation about soft skills right like i would be completely i mean i wouldn't even be talking about leadership because i would have never seen myself as a leader either so i think Mm. i think those are some of the first things that i learned in this last little while was like i was running a podcast in the heavy industry space and I did like two, like 150 episodes. And basically I would always ask this question at the end where I'd have these subject matter experts on. And I would say like, Hey, what is lacking in industry with your specific expertise? And the answer across those 150 episodes was always culture and implementation. And it's like, they, everyone knows the best practice. Everyone knows how to do these things. There's books, there's all these things. And yet we are failing to implement and we are failing to change culture. And to me, once it all boils down to leadership and there's a lack of leadership out there and that's why we're not able to execute the way we need to. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And, you know, 150 episodes, so just a small, just a tiny little podcast there. So culture and implementation. So what do you think, why do you think that was, that this was a difficult thing to implement within heavy industry? I think it's it's the same stuff, right? It doesn't matter if it's heavy industry, it's just change management. And I think yeah. what what I've seen, right, is is a lot of fixed mindsets, a lot of and, and what you said, Ali, right, is mm. 
the conversation has moved towards soft skills. In mm. my world, the conversation, when people run up against barriers in terms of things not being implemented, and I've seen this this year, is people are turning to process, to tools, and to like standards to, to fix the issue. And in worst cases, they're turning to AI. They're saying, oh. we're going to try to machine this out. And that's a very engineering centric focus, right? Is like, yeah. if you look at some of the, the safety, like ways you can manage safety incidents, like engineering it out is, is a solution. Mm-hmm. And so that's where my industry has gone is I've had a bunch of phone calls this year where they're like, instead of having a one page process, we're going to have a 50 page process so that no one can get it wrong. And it's like, well, no, that's not going to get the person to read it nor understand it nor follow <laughs> it. Like there's so much around there that you have to actually understand around, yeah, like they're soft skills, but they're so important. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. And uh, I've got a bit of a theory on on leadership and how come, you know, people find it difficult. And I think, you know, listening to what you're saying certainly confirms that for me. It's, you know, you're, you went to MIT, you've got a degree in engineering, you've got a minor in engineering, you've done a lot of study around technically your technical skill. And I think similar things happen in other industries as well. You know, if you've got an accountant, they've done accounting. If you've got a lawyer, they've done um, a law degree and all of these types of things. And then what happens when people are technically good at something or, you know, they're the best at their craft is we're like, oh, they should lead. They should definitely lead a team. And before we know it, is they're all of a sudden are leading a team, which is normally a company's most valuable asset. And we're expecting them to be experts at people, whereas because they were experts at whatever it was, it was their craft that they've studied for and, and learned along the way. Do you find that as well? Absolutely. And the other thing I heard was I was listening to another leadership podcast. I forget which one, but they were talking about the gap in leadership training. And they yes. were saying that people get typically get leadership training was something like seven to 10 years after they start managing people. And so that's another issue, right? Is like, is like, what do you actually, like you have people you've promoted them into quote unquote leadership positions. Mm -hmm. I don't like that word, but that's another story, but they don't even have the skills or the training to do it. So you're just expecting them. You're basically setting them up to fail. 100%. 100%. I totally agree. And I think we've got this real a bit of a different, I guess, two, two sides of the sword. On one side, we're like, oh, well, you know, they're really good at what they do. So therefore, they should be able to lead. And then when they can't, we're like, what do you mean? You can't like, you know, you just, it's just people. And you're like, yes, it's this tricky little variable called people. Now you mentioned you don't like the term leadership. Is that what you're saying? I don't like the term leadership position. Oh, what, what term do you like? Yeah, because like I, I really buy into this this Simon Sinek version where leadership is not a rank, it's a choice. Mm, love it. And and like Brene Brown talks about leadership is impact, not influence. Mm-hmm. And I think like these are things where you can decide to be a leader today and you can impact the people around you today. 100%. And it doesn't doesn't mean you have to manage them. It doesn't mean that you have to be organizationally higher than they are. It could be your kids. It could be your husband or wife. It could be your community. Like for me, I've, I've never really had that many direct reports in my career. And yet I am impacting an industry today. Mm, That's so good. So what industry are you working with predominantly at the moment? Where do you see the biggest, biggest gap? 
I mean, it's hard, right? Because I don't get too much exposure outside of heavy industry. Yeah. But I do think this stuff applies to any industry. Like people are working in every industry, right? That tricky little variable, yeah. Right? And and it's like we haven't machined people out of the workforce yet. And so we need to lean in regardless of industry. And that's where I'm going with this content is like, I am predominantly coming from heavy industry. However, the uptake there is slow because of the way that they think and the way that Mm. they are. And Mm -hmm. so the the spaces that are picking up a little bit faster are kind of outside of that. Like there are more of these digital companies that have leaders that are more innovative and they're very much on this tighter timeline. Because like mine has geographic monopoly, like the stuff is in the ground here, we own the land. So, you know, there's, there's not too much innovation required. Yeah, very interesting. So for all of those leaders that are, you know, up and coming, new and emerging, or perhaps even those ones that have been in their role for seven to 10 years and have yet to have uh, any leadership uh, training, what would be your top five tips for those leaders? Yeah. So, I mean, my first tip, we talked about it already, but it's belief. Yeah. It's, it's start believing that you're a leader and choose to be a leader. Those, those two elements for me changed the game for me. Like I went Mm -hmm. from talking about only engineering stuff to talking about leadership, to talking about mental health, to kind of pushing the boundaries of what people have heard from me Mm. in like my old podcast and the two new podcasts and, and basically everything. And, and I think in terms of impact, it's changed that. Like I'm seeing people now that are reaching out to me from as far as where you are in Australia to, to North America, where they're saying like, Hey, like this resonated with me, you know, you helped me. And I think that's the biggest thing is make that choice. And I've had people even from solo solo consulting firms say, Hey, I don't need leadership training. I am an individual at an individual firm. And my argument is that what about your customers? You can lead your customers. You can lead your family. You can lead your community. It doesn't matter. So I think that that's the, that's the first step for me. The -hmm. second step, you know, is, is start using the growth mindset and that's harder. It's easy to say and hard to, to do, and in some aspects of your life, you'll, you'll have a spectrum, right? So it's not just like, hey, I'm 100% growth mindset everywhere. That's not how mm-hmm. it works. Mm-hmm. But, but really what that means is create an environment at your office or your workplace where it's, where it's good and it's incentivized to experiment, to innovate, to improve and learn. And, and it's, it's really getting away from the, we've always done it this way. We have reached this perfection or, you know, it's really about getting in there continually improving and really focusing on if we try something and it doesn't work, what did we learn? And if it, and then can we tweak it and make it better? Can we keep, cause we're never going to be perfect. We're never going to be the best. Like these things are always a continuum. My third leadership tip is vulnerability. Oh, love it. And this one is, it's, for me, it's one of the most important, quote unquote, soft skills. I was going to say, you're hitting me with all the soft skills. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> and, and really, like, I talk about vulnerability as the snowplow. 
And mm. if you open up and, and you are vulnerable, you plow space in a room where people can fall in behind you. And I've done this talking about stuff as deep and as dark as suicide. And, but it doesn't have to be that. And I think people think that that's what vulnerability means. But really what vulnerability means, it can be as simple as something like, as a leader, I don't know the answer. Ooh, what? <laughs> right? What? <laughs> yeah, no, that's amazing. Right? And that opens up, like one, it builds rapport. It opens up conversations. It allows people to, to come to you with things that are working well, things that aren't working well, but basically the truth. And that's as a, like, you can't run a business if you don't know the truth. Mm, very true. Do you think in heavy industry that vulnerability is going to be one of, I mean, a hard sell? Do you think it's going to be something that people readily start embracing? Like, you know, like a model, like a feedback model. Do you think vulnerability is going to be one of those difficult ones? Or do you think it'll be, you know, to use your snow analogy, do you think it'll have a snowball effect once a few people do it, then it will cotton on? Tell me. So I'm trying to be that snowball, right? Oh, Um, yes. Be the vulnerability (laughs) snowball. I love it. But yeah, it's, it's hard, right? And I think like yeah. Clive Lloyd was telling me the story and he, he works a lot in mining with leadership and he went to a site and he, he runs this program called the CARE program. Mm-hmm. And he went to a site and he was talking to the GM and he said that the GM told him, I want you to rename the CARE program because CARE is too soft. We're very macho men here and we yeah. will do well with the word CARE. And yeah. so that's like, very far out on the spectrum where yeah. I think some people like they think, and, and it's kind of where I went with, with vulnerability is like, we need to be more vulnerability is a buzzword in mm. leadership right now. And mm-hmm. we have to be very cognizant of what it is and what it's not. And like, yes, you can show up and talk about your deepest, darkest secrets. We don't actually need that from you. What we do need from you though, is being able to put yourself out there and say like, hey, I don't know the answer, or just talk about you as your person, as your full self. Like, what do you actually love? Like, that doesn't have Mm. to be like, I love engineering, like boring. It could be something (laughs) like, like for me, like I love water polo. Like I played my whole life and I love it, right? And that's something that it builds connection between people. And that's really the whole core aspect of vulnerability. Yeah, love it. That's so good. What about number four? Number four. So number four is recognition and recognition to your team. And that's one of the things that that leader I was talking about at Cargill, when when we were working together, I told him, I was like, what you need to do is start blasting out your wins across the whole plant. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't talking about his wins personally, but his team's wins and putting them at the forefront of the recognition. Mm -hmm. And that was one thing he started doing. He started doing basically his win of the week with his guys. And it was an email, pictures, dollar savings, the whole bit. And it's really about putting them first. And that's what you want to do as a leader. And that's like, it helps you build that engagement because they're realizing like, if I come up with a solution to a problem, I'm getting recognized by everybody. And Mm. it's so huge. Mm. That's awesome win of the week. Love it. And I guess number five kind of jumps back to that, right? Number five is really kind of similar to that. And it's empowerment. 
it's empowering your people. Because I, I think a lot of us go to roles where we're handcuffed. And so they're saying like, hey, you're responsible for managing this asset or managing this process or managing this whatever. And I don't have the tools, the budget, the, the, the skills to do it. And so it becomes very easy to get checked out when you're saying like, well, you're telling me I need to manage this equipment and I don't have a budget to do it. Like, how am I supposed to do my job? Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing I think is ensure your people have the tools, the budget, the skills, all these things in order for them to be able to manage what they actually do and understand mm-hmm. like they need to understand what their role is and what their role isn't. These mm-hmm. are like some core aspects where we're talking about engagement, where, where that's it. And like with that, if you empower them, they're going to solve problems. They're going to, you you may hear about them or you'll, your stuff will just run better. It's, it's just like, it's what people, you know, like a lot of people want that power to manage their own stuff and to prove results and to be innovating because that's mm-hmm. fun. It is fun. It is fun. I'm watching a show at the moment on Netflix. It's called New Amsterdam. Have you seen it? I've seen it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's around the public hospital in New York and it's got a new managing director, obviously uh, the managing director medical director is managing a whole bunch of of doctors and and nursing staff so obviously all very technically strong and uh, I I keep using it as a leadership example because one of the things that he keeps doing episode after episode is be going how can I help and instead of trying to come up with solutions for his team and the people that are around them that are trying to innovate and save money and create better care for their patients is he just removes blockers from people and then they'll go okay I've got this really great idea and he's like yes do it and they're like okay all right okay I will and yeah it's I mean obviously it's all fiction but it's quite interesting that they've cast the leader of a huge hospital in that way it's really interesting for me yeah and I mean it's it's like it's so true right it's you as a leader are hiring subject matter experts. And it's like that Steve Job quote, right? Like, why would I hire brilliant people and then tell them what to do? It's, Uh right? Mm -hmm. It's you hire them for a specific role or or task or something, and then you let them run with it. Mm -hmm. And you as a leader, like they're going to come to you when they hit walls and you should take down those walls for them. Like it, the worst thing is, 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 yeah, is managing people into a box and then they're just going to get checked out. Like if you have brilliant people and you're telling them how to do their job and that's kind of what we, we talked about earlier is like, you're promoting people who are SMEs into leadership positions. Yep. They think they know everything about that role because they're good at it. But yep. over time, the role changes because technology or processes change, all these things change and they're still like they still believe that they know the best and and it leads to this like micromanagement aspect that you see so often. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me today. Where can people, you know, where do you like to hang out on LinkedIn, Facebook, where can people find you? Yeah. So I'm, I'm big on LinkedIn. I don't use Facebook at all. So, so definitely connect with me, Rob Kalvaroski on Facebook, LinkedIn, sorry. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, like I have two podcasts, a leadership launchpad project and dismantling the high performance narrative. You can find both of those on Apple, Spotify, Google podcasts, basically anywhere you can find podcasts. 
if you want to reach out to me specifically for any of this stuff, like we'll be running a leadership program. I'm thinking it's going to be May or June, probably at this point. And then one in the fall, you can find that stuff out. Rob'sReliability.com slash leadership. That's where the info is there. Or you can just send me an email, rob at highperformancenarrative.com. Those are the best ways to get me. Beautiful. And I'll put all of those links in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for uh, jumping on and being on the show and for your time. It's been awesome. No, thanks for having me on the show, Allie. And I'm looking forward to, to having you on my show. <laughs> ah, we'll have to do a switch. <laughs> all right. Catch you soon. See ya. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed this episode on the Made For More podcast, please make sure you subscribe to receive future episodes. And of course, five-star reviews are always welcome on the Apple podcast. If you'd like a copy of the show notes or any of the links mentioned today, check out madeformore.com.au forward slash podcast. And of course, if we aren't connected already, you can find me in all the usual places. Ali Nitschke on LinkedIn, Ali.MadeForMore on Facebook and Instagram. I hope you have an awesome week and I'll catch you again soon. Bye-bye.